You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to episode 107 of Flipping Tables. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And a couple little things before we get into our dominant topic this week of Apple and FBI stuff. Uh, first up is just a, a little pitch. Um, I'm, I'm doing a little side project. I mentioned this last week, and I'm, I'm going to keep mentioning it, damn it. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm doing this cool storytelling podcast slash live event called Rack and Tour Denver. And uh, what that is, is uh, three amazing storytellers are curated to come tell live stories in front of an audience. And uh, the audience also has a chance to sign up and tell their own stories. There's like a theme for each night. And it's kind of just this cool little event where people gather at a cool venue in Denver. And uh, I have the luxury of recording it and kind of producing and editing and and trying to put out a, a quality podcast based on it. And our first podcast episode is out. And uh, we also have, if you're in Colorado and, and want to check this event out, uh, we're at Fort Greene on March 8th, and it's going to be a fun time. So Rack and Tour awesome. Denver, do it. Yeah, do do that. Is there a link in the show notes, maybe? There, there absolutely is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's too early. It's too soon. It's too early? Okay. <laughs> um, I'm also, so I mentioned my, my thing I'm trying out with uh, Briefs.fm last week, but I think at the time we were recording... I didn't have a name for it. So it's called uh, Human vs. Bot Mixing. And there'll be a link in the show notes. And basically, because Briefs.fm is all uh, algorithmically mixed, right? You just throw, I mean, you could pre mix the file, but it's still going to algorithmically mix it once you throw a file at it. Uh, the whole point is to lower that barrier to podcasting. So I've just been trying random experiments with different microphones in different conditions. Um, I live kind of near like an open field that has a highway on the other side. So I went outside when it was like crazy windy and just shouted at my phone mic. And <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting to hear like the results you get from from robot mixing. And I'm overall, I'm I'm pretty impressed. So yeah. I've uh, I've only done five episodes so far. I'm I'm gonna find other situations and other microphones, and uh, eventually I'll run out of weird combinations and I'll start waxing philosophical about human versus robots and how they're coming for our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So check that out in the show notes as well. Is it too early yet? Can I say where the show notes are? Yeah, you can say it. Go yeah. Ahead. They're at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash one zero seven. All right. Um, Another little piece of follow-up is, uh, you know, several episodes ago, we talked about Lark and kind of this conversational UI kind of thing. And uh, you uh, turned me on to this new app for iOS called Quartz, which it's a news app, but it's it's got a conversational UI. It looks like an iMessage screen. It uh, chats with you. And so, you know, just for the, the good of science, I installed this app. <laughs> and uh, I, I was really disappointed with this app. I, I did not like this app at all. Uh, but just to take you through it a bit, um, it, it I would describe it as it was a severely stupid journey of <laughs> it like showing an article and then kind of going like, did you like that, brah? Say yeah or nah. And so like you tap yes or no, well, it's Kanye. I, I don't even know. No. <laughs> and then like, you know, it keeps asking you for like a few different types of topics. Like here, here's like a financial Forbes article. Do you like that? And then it's like, 
couldn't you just like present a list of categories and I'll just check the things quickly instead of going through this stupid like every other news <laughs> app ever made? Um, Are you interested in world news? Are you interested in financial <laughs> times? Are you interested in cooking? Oh man, that reminds me of a, a pseudo book story Justin wrote called Herbert's Fasting. It was about how like it was this fake history how restaurants didn't have menus and all they would do is ask you yes or no questions. Would you <laughs> would you like a certain number of hamburgers? Would you like a certain number of cheeseburgers? And then after you said yes or no, they would say, would you like one hamburger? Would you like two hamburgers? And so Herbert invented the menu and was like revolutionary. Now people can just say what they want. And I I love that story. Um, So yeah, you go through this a bit and it's like, it's just, it felt so desperate to appear like relaxed and cool about like telling you news. Like it it would show these little like joke meme gifts every once in a while. Like there was a Picard gif. There was some kind of like success kid at some point. Related to the news story or just as if your friend was... Just, randomly okay. just to celebrate you interacting with it or like to say goodbye like it, one of them was picard waving goodbye after like after it was done delivering stories to me um okay. the other annoying thing was uh it was it made a big stink at the beginning about how it, it wasn't going to be intrusive it would rarely ever send a notification um especially anything that would buzz or like draw too much attention to itself and by day two it had buzzed my watch with like a stupid irrelevant economics <laughs> <laughs> news story um and then to top all this off which you know this is just its regular intended experience i was already not very impressed um just a giant mini cooper ad out of nowhere which was as irrelevant as everything else was like it wasn't like oh mike's interested in technology here's this cool web service for people that are into designing stuff check it out it was just like (laughs) you want a car here's a car (laughs) and so here's you you sent me a message in slack when this happened and you were just like nope i'm out like (laughs) this is unacceptable and uh what i forgot to ask you was is it an ad? Like, was it all text? Was it conversational? Like, hey, are you in the market for a new car? Or was it like a picture of a billboard? It was, uh, I think it was a combo. There was a text message of, I can't remember what it said, but something about, you know, praising the mini Cooper. Um, but then it was also a picture of it, or it might have, it might have been animated. I, I can't remember, but it, it was that combo. And it looked like the other news stories so it was like trying to blend in a little bit i mean it was clearly marked as an ad but still it was it's kind of like facebook they're like all of your friends like amazon here's an ad for amazon (laughs) and it's like my friends didn't share this you're just stamping their name on it something about the conversational ui is not fair territory for ads because (laughs) I mean, imagine if you and I were, were texting back and forth, and then just in the middle of our discussion, you were like, have you thought about a Mini Cooper? And then I would just be like, we were talking about anything else but that. Like, why are you yeah. asking me this? Right? So that's no matter how good the the algorithm is or the bot is or the, the fake pre-scripted messages or however they're doing it, the minute it goes totally off the rails to sell you a car or Nike <laughs> shoes or something, you're going to be like, wait, what? Oh, right. You're a robot. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it's on our list, but it, it, there's rumors that Facebook is going to introduce ads in Messenger. Um, oh, did I forget to put that on here? Because that we, was totally... In, oh, no, it's in here. Yeah. We should talk about it now. So, I mean, to sum <laughs> up the Quartz stuff, I, I've uninstalled it. I found the app desperate and stupid and irrelevant and just... 
I don't know. Like, you don't want your app to be described as desperate, but that's what it felt <laughs> like. It's just trying so hard. <laughs> well, so we had all this this talk a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago about conversational apps, and, and I appreciate you for science taking the hit on this because <laughs> it's iPhone only, so I couldn't do it. I probably could have installed it on my iPad, but no. Nah. So... <laughs> um, I uh, I thought it was just a, an interesting coincidence that we had all this conversation and then uh, I use product I use like big asterisk at the end of that I use product hunt um, just sometimes they have interesting stuff on there and it's I mean it's the startup it's like where you go when you launch a new project to be like hey I'm please give me VC funding otherwise I'm not going to eat next week and sometimes there's really cool stuff on there and you can share things you didn't make. And they do these collections, and somebody made this whole collection about uh, interfaceless apps or invisible apps, which is exactly this kind of thing, right? It's either it looks like a messaging app or it actually is. You give them your phone number, and they just text you. So there there really is no app. It's just all yeah. happening out in the cloud. And there were two on this list that I thought had some actual merit because most of them were like – have a random stranger bring you a burrito. And I'm like, I can already just order a delivery burrito. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't really need that. Or it was like, you know, text us and we'll call an Uber for you. And it's like, no, I Uber already figured that out. Like, yeah. You're, you're <laughs> Solve really, problem. Yeah. You're not really solving anything interesting. Um, but the two it's that like I a liked, guy offering to walk to your mailbox for you. <laughs> you're like, it's fine. I got this. It's like a guy offering to walk to your mailbox when you have one of those mailboxes by your front door, <laughs> yeah. like an old fashioned, like 1940s mailbox. And you're like, no, I'm. I'm here. If I can answer the door to get the mail from you, I can just reach over and get it. So uh, there there were two that I liked. There was one called Tiny Memoirs, which was uh, – it's kind of like the, the journaling thing I've been doing where they're trying to lower the barrier and you just text – like it texts you and it says like, how was your day? And then you can just text it back and be like, it was awesome. I did this, that, and the other thing. And here's a picture of me. And and it's – you know, they're trying to get you to keep a log of, of your life. Um and that seems pretty appropriate to the conversational UI because you're the one who's supposed to be doing all the talking, not the robot. The robot's just giving you prompts. And uh, the other one I liked is is the same kind of thing, but it's a phone call. So it's called Call Frank. And Frank calls you once a day and just says, like, how's your day? And you, you talk to it and it records what you said and then you can access those recordings. So I thought I was like, okay, these are to me valid uses of this whole pseudo conversational yeah. UI thing. But the, the thing with, with Facebook messenger is they're trying to build some of this kind of stuff like, Oh, Hey, Facebook messenger, call me an Uber. Hey, deliver me a burrito. Hey, this is what yeah. I did with my day. And I think all that stuff is cool right up until it's like, Hey, do you want to buy a mini Cooper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's the, the threshold. Well, you, you know, it's over when mini Cooper's <laughs> mentioned. Uh, if you mention mini Cooper, you blew it. Um, uh, yeah, and the, I, there, so yeah, that's a rumor right now that Facebook plans to put ads in Messenger and not, not like banner ads or just random injections into your private conversations, but rather that you'll talk to businesses through Facebook Messenger. So that's the, the novel thing. Um, and so that sounds awful at first blush because it's like, oh, so I just get a bunch of spam now. And uh, the, supposedly the silver lining is only businesses you've chosen to interact with can then talk to you after that. But I don't think that really still sounds very good because, 
Um, how many business, if assuming this took off, businesses would just say the only way to get support from us is to go through Facebook Messenger, which then takes away the you initiating first barrier completely because, hey, help me with this. Do you want a Mini Cooper? Ah, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Um, but then I could also see Facebook loosening that threshold if they thought it would increase revenue. So like, let's say if you even just liked a business or even just liked a post by a business, are you, have you crossed the threshold of saying I want spam from them now? It's, yes. It, it could get really bad. <laughs> I mean, this is a company that used people's photographs in advertisements. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not hard to imagine this because this initially if this rumor turns out to be true which apparently it's from this super reliable source they had to keep anonymous so that nobody got fired or in trouble but if this turns out to be true this seems like a reasonable barrier like if you initiate contact they can then continue discussion and i would be nice if you could then opt out and be like okay stop now i assume you'll be able to say nah never mind not more um, but the minute they go down to anything else, anything besides you initiated contact is them initiating contact. <laughs> yeah. So no matter what tiny little indicator you give them that you might be interested, like liking their page or liking a single post or mentioning them, you know, like if I post and I say something about Mini Cooper, can the Mini Cooper page then send me a Facebook Messenger post and be like, hey, want to buy a Mini Cooper? <laughs> It's already annoying that if I tweet about a certain topic that I just get bombarded sometimes with either spam accounts related to that topic or um, it just happened the other week where on my Instagram, I'm, I'm doing all this pixel art and I some of the hashtags I'm using mention the tools I'm using, like the apps and the hardware. And companies that make accessories for iPad are now <laughs> leaving comments and they're just saying like, yeah, cool job, man. Keep it up. Hint, hint look at my profile and buy something from me. And do, do they at least leave it at that? Or is it, hey, cool job, keep it up. Also, you would probably benefit from this product I make. They didn't, they didn't make a pitch. So they, they didn't cross that line. But what did happen is pretty much the exact same comment went onto every single example of pixel art. Mm. So the copy and paste <laughs> job was really like, it made their like praise really obviously insincere when it's like, nice work. Nice work. Nice work. <laughs> nice work. Want to buy a Mini Cooper? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Cause, I mean, there's lots of uh, corporate Twitter accounts. I've never really interacted with a business on Facebook, but there's lots of corporate Twitter accounts that are obviously real people. And where yeah, you have that, a, I'm cool with that. Yeah, but yeah, just tweeting lots of like, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool. Because then eventually they're actually incentivized to harangue you like that because then there's a good chance you're going to be like, who is this asshole? And then press yeah. on their profile. And then they're like, Oh, somebody looked at our profile. It works. Let's keep doing yeah. it. Yeah. It's annoying. Um, <sighs> so with all this Facebook messenger stuff, I kind of, it dawned on me like, so one of the, the software laws is that all software bloats until it includes messaging. And so I think we need to amend that with all messaging platforms bloat until they include like ads and, and and crappy interactions you didn't want and intrusions and I wonder if there is a big push from some of these companies to do this kind of conversational thing because they're imagining this is a new way to slot in ads that just hasn't really been done before. 
right? Like if you get a text message from 36, 36, 36, that's like, you should buy a Mini Cooper, then you know, well, this is obviously just a spam ad and you might not even look at it because it's like a weird fake number. But if you are already engaged in using Messenger or in using, you know, WhatsApp or whatever, and, and you're in the middle of a conversation and then someone's like, you should buy a Mini Cooper, enough of those might start to actually change your behavior because it's just in your face all the time. It's yeah. coming to you in a forum that seems safer and, and like the information is more valid and true because that's also where you talk to your friends and your family. And just imagine the giant analytics, like intelligence harvesting operation to see how people respond to different kinds of bots and different kinds of conversations. Which could which could lead to actual scientific benefits if it was you know not shady as hell, but can also just be crummy, gross ads. I'll be as okay with this as I am with any other ads as long as it's easy for me to block slash opt out slash ignore them. Right, the minute Facebook yeah. starts allowing companies to just start shoving stuff into messenger that I never engaged with and I have nothing to do with them. That's going to be a big problem. Cause I mean, that's yeah. tantamount to just opening your, your mailbox, like your physical mailbox or your, your email box and just having a bunch of garbage in there. And you're like, Oh, I never expressed any interest in these people, but they know that I exist. So they just <laughs> shoved a bunch of crap at me. Man. Physical mail is so broken. <laughs> So our, our main show topic this week, which we only need one because I imagine we could, we, could, we could devote many episode lengths to this single topic, um, and that is the Apple versus FBI. And uh, I've got a lot to say. I imagine you do too. No, um, I've, I've put no thought into this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually like more civically engaged and fired up about this than I feel like I've ever been or have been in a long time, like politically, because this 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 shit matters. Um, but just to summarize, I mean, there, there's lots of good articles kind of explaining what's going on. But I think just for people who are just listening, like a one minute wrap up of what's happening, I think would would help frame the discussion well. So. Uh, Recently, there was the San Bernardino shooting tragedy where uh, uh, it was a married couple, weren't they? Um, they they kind of went on a, a, a shooting spree. I think, you know, 13 or 14 people died. Uh, uh, it, it appears obvious that they were motivated by some kind of, a, of extremism. Uh, they premeditated this. It's just a whole ugly, uh, nasty event in California. And uh, as the FBI has been investigating and sort of putting the pieces together, they they recovered an iPhone that this couple owned, and uh, it happens to be encrypted and locked. And uh, this is key information for this. Um, <laughs> Apple has been working with law enforcement, and uh, you know, like there's iCloud backups of this phone since Apple can retrieve that information. Um, they, they provided that to the FBI, um, but the FBI can't crack this phone. Um, they they can't brute force the pin code because um, iPhone rate limits you. The more you try, the longer you have to wait between attempts. If you try 10 times in a row and fail, it's just going to wipe the phone. FBI obviously doesn't want to do that. And uh, so what the FBI has done, instead of saying, like, crap, there's no quick way we're getting into this phone, um, they, they went and got a court order that a judge approved um, asking Apple to create a tool to flash the firmware on the iPhone not to get pa- it doesn't get past the encryption but what it does is it removes 
those rate limits, it removes the, uh, the auto-delete functionality of the pin code, which means they can immediately um, hook the phone up to some kind of machine that'll just try every pin automatically at as fast as the hardware will let them so that they can brute force the pin and get into the phone. And Apple has refused to do this. And I think this is where one of the most awesome things for the shittiest reasons um, has happened. And that's, uh, so Apple's refusing to do it. And one of the things that happened is Tim Cook published a public letter that, I mean, obviously PR and lawyers were involved in vetting this letter and structuring it. It's not like Tim Cook just opened notes and kind of rambled. I, and then I like shifted. to believe that's exactly what he did. <laughs> But this letter is magnificent. I think this letter is awesome. I'm completely with Tim Cook um, because this letter is not just saying, no, we're not going to do that. It's, it, it has to serve so many different purposes at once. It has to try to make the public understand why Apple's saying no because the government's not going to give a fair representation of their refusal. It's got to educate the public a little bit about what's at stake, what's actually happening. And... Uh, I don't know. It's a revolutionary, thinnest and lightest <laughs> civic duty letter ever published. Um, and so Tim Cook said, you know, why do we need encryption? Why is Apple committed to this? Um, why is what the government's asking unprecedented? Because it's not just, hey, you have data, turn it over to us. It's undermine your product so that we can hack into it. And we, we um, should be clear there, and we'll get a lot more to this, that what they're asking is to undermine the concept of the iPhone, not a specific <laughs> device. This is not like breaking a, schl a single Schlaglock. This is like making yeah. every Schlaglock totally worthless. Yeah, it's like we can't get into the trunk of this car. Toyota, make all of your cars respond to a tool that you give us, and we'll just hope no one else gets one of those yeah. tools. So that's why this is that's why Apple's opposing and why I agree with them. Um, there's, there's so much more to get into. I don't want to be the only <laughs> one talking. Um, so you you saw Tim Cook's letter. What did you think of it? So I didn't. Th his letter, I think, for me and for most people, was my exposure to this story. And it is. I think he did such a good job. Him and I, I'm sure you're right, like a bunch of copy editors and, and whatnot. But I think he did such a good job of eloquently explaining, this is what we were asked to do. This is why. This is why we're not going to do it. You know, and it's... it's uh, No one wants to be put in this position. I'm, I'm sure, however this turns out, he's going to lose sleep over this. Because does he undermine the security of the literally hundreds of millions of customers that he has in the hopes of bringing like a couple of people to justice or does he make it harder for those bad people to be brought to justice to protect i mean if this, if if he was spock he would say like no the needs of the many like there's no question yeah. and i think that's actually how most technologists felt reading this is yes this is horrible the actions you're trying to take to not undo the horribleness, but like punish the wrongdoers does not justify yeah. what you're asking. Well, and I mean, the, the, the perpetrators in San Bernardino are dead and the FBI wants this data because they think there may be collaborators or there may be other, you, you don't sure. know what's on that phone. Um, they, they actually owned other phones that were, 
deliberately destroyed. So you wonder if like there was nothing on this phone because they're like, ah, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, why this matters is the the method the FBI has, has uh, requested. Um, my comment's so big, it's bleeding <laughs> off. I need to. <laughs> switch it so that i can read what i notes i took uh the method the fbi requested um you know it's not just about this one iphone because you know people have said well it's an iphone 5c it doesn't have the secure enclave they can break this one and not break other iphones um the that's (laughs) wrong (laughs) um number one what the fbi has requested is not just a specific method that only breaks the iphone 5c but it's the concept of it that will break any phone because they can go and get a court order and say, look, company has to make tool for us to get in. And so it doesn't matter what Apple does short of creating a trusted platform that not even they have any sort of ability to flash software onto, um, which I don't even know the feasibility of that given their (laughs) business model to have, you know, trust the customer with all the keys at all times. Um, I don't I think, know how I that works. I think that works, can work but. for pieces. Like Apple Pay and Android Pay are good examples. The keys only exist on your device. And if the device is damaged or destroyed, then the keys are gone forever. They're stored nowhere else in any fashion. But if the entire phone was like that, where it's it's like no one else has final dominion over this device, you would, it would make tech support like impossible. Because if somebody went into the Apple store yeah. and they were like, oh, my phone's not updating, then they would be like, Rufflecopter, it's it's bricked forever. We can't help you. Yeah. It would be a severe blow to convenience and ease of use. Um, or it, it would at least head that direction slowly but surely um, if, as you tried to lock things down. So I don't think Apple's ever going to do that, like completely not have keys to anything. Um, though that may be the only resort anyone has if the government gets their way um is to find a pl- i mean i'm sure there's uh there's probably some fork of android that you can run that way you know don't install google play services don't use anything in the cloud like um there's probably a way to do it but 99.9 percent of humans <laughs> are not going to do that so um that's why apple stand matters because it matters for regular people who don't understand this technology but will be impacted by this decision um The other thing I want to say is that even if you believe the FBI only cared about this one phone, which I have to say, (laughs) ha, I'm sure they have hundreds of phones they're eager to use the same tool on immediately. Um, And this has been a point made by the tech press, at least, very well. I don't know about CNN or something, but um, undermining just this phone and setting this precedent um, means this tool will now exist and that... That means that other governments are going to ask for it. That means that uh, criminals are going to try to reverse engineer the iPhone and, and um, tackle that new hole that's been opened up. Or some disgruntled agent somewhere will get paid enough to <laughs> defect. You know, and It's just not secure when you do this. And uh, security is already so hard. It's not a simple thing to do, especially when you care about making things attractive and easy to use. And this just makes it pretty much impossible well, to guarantee. I mean, we made the the trunk analogy, but I want to make sure anybody listening is clear. Um, this is once this is done, the genie is out of the bottle. You can't do this kind of thing and guarantee it'll only ever be used on a single device because of the very nature of software. 
like I think you uh, mentioned the idea of like the clean room, and and the only way I've been able to even toy with the idea that this could be done securely would be uh, you have the software to crack the iPhone is created in a room that is not accessible to the outside network, right? So that 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 computer with mm-hmm. that copy of Xcode cannot get to the outside world. The iPhone is brought into that room and the people who are cracking that iPhone are not allowed to leave until until it's done. Yeah. And then all of the technology in the room has to be destroyed and cannot leave that room ever. But imagine that, you know, it's it turns out it's really not about this one phone and there are, you know, there's by all accounts a billion iOS devices in the world now. So even just a, a small percentage of them become involved in a law enforcement investigation, that bottleneck is going to cripple everything, and they're going to immediately demand something faster. And it's not like they're going to make, well, let's just make 100,000 <laughs> clean rooms. <laughs> I mean, the other problem is the the only security left, if you open up this hole, is the fact that Apple has to sign the code that iPhones are willing to accept as Come software on, updates. We grew up in the nineties. Like you, how many times did you install Diablo and run no disk? Like that, those things can always <laughs> be circumvented. No, no system is perfect. There's always going to be bugs or zero days. You know, just flaws that weren't caught, and that's why your security has to be multifaceted and reducing it to that single arbiter of apple is the code signer let's hope nothing ever goes wrong with that is uh, that's a <laughs> precarious and that's already assuming that all the other you know reasons that could go wrong are, aren't mentioned um that's that's a, a very thin thread to dangle well, you never on. want to have a single point of failure if you can avoid it which you absolutely can in this case and you uh there there's like an old ux uh saying is like as security goes up usability goes down and i think generally that is true but the iphone and and the ios software has gone a long way to having your data be secure but still not have it be a big pain in the ass to use like you don't have to give someone a pgp key for them to read your emails if you send them with mail.app like it's nothing like that but you can see like anybody listening who uses uh, messages or is it iMessage or just messages now? Um, I think the app's just called Messages, but the service yeah. is called iMessage because you Not can do SMS through. So messages. if you have ever had your iPhone out and also the client open up on your Mac, and you're like, "Why are these two things so completely out of sync?" Because security, because they are trying to sync that data up in the most secure way that they can. And sometimes there are collisions and then they're like, we have no way to reconcile the data. So it's just wrong forever now. And hopefully it's, te- it's text messages. So it's not like bank records where, you know, transactional data. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The fidelity matters a lot more. Yeah. I think iMessage, it's encrypted end to end and it's device keys that, you know, it, it keeps your message encrypted, delivers it, and then Apple forgets about it. And the only loophole is if you have an iCloud backup, which we'll talk about later. But right. So, I mean, that's, that's what you see as a user. Like with, uh, you know, if you, like we use Google Hangouts, uh, for some things and 
those are never out of sync ever because yeah. Google just knows all of it all the time. So if they look at my phone and I turn my phone on and then they're like, oh, he hasn't connected for a while. And then it's just going to shove all the messages on there because it knows yeah. exactly what I have and what I don't have. And that means that though that messaging system is inherently less secure. And that's not that's neither here nor there when it's something trivial. The problem is nothing is trivial. Right? Yeah. Like and, you, and even even Apple's approach, I want to say that, that smart security people have have shown that technically Apple could do a form of a man in the middle attack to get access by introducing a new key that's allowed to decrypt. But so we have to take them at their word that they never do that. Um, yeah. But it is it is otherwise a more secure uh, setup. But yeah, you're right. Google. Um, so one of the the most like poignant evidence is that the iMessage stuff really is encrypted end to end, and Apple doesn't store it. Is if you wipe your phone and just set up a new account, you don't get your message history. It's nope. gone. There's nowhere to pull it from unless <laughs> you have a backup. And, you know, that's a user inconvenience thing of like, oh, I like my message history. <laughs> that's a feature I want. But is there a way to do it where that doesn't mean that the government can just go ask for it? Well, I think, I mean, we're, so this is a slightly different tangent on the conversation, but I think we're going to have to go in a direction where we store encrypted content offsite, but we are the only ones who own the keys. And then yeah. you are required to maintain that. So like I, you know, say like in this case with messages, you know, I store that secure key somewhere, hopefully not just on my phone, but somewhere that I feel is encrypted and only I have access to. And then if I get a new phone, Apple says, hey, we'd love to download all your messages, but it just looks like random noise. Do you happen to have the encryption key? And if I say yes, it goes, here's your message history. And if I say yeah. no, it goes, we're just going to delete this random noise then. But man, what a, what a, a user experience challenge to like make that understandable. It's PGP people don't keys. E it's all people, PGP keys. Yeah. I mean, all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people struggle to sign in let alone anything more than that. And so that's that's a tough one. But, I mean, I do think we're going to need to get there at least for the... I mean, so much of our data is important, but... Well, and surely right now someone listening is thinking, well, my text messages aren't that important. They don't need to be encrypted. Wrong, asshole. <laughs> because you can't have a communication channel that is insecure if security is an option because... People are dumb and you're going to do something like you're going to be at the DMV and you're going to be renewing your, your license and you know, like your, your license plate. And they're going to say, Oh, we just passed the law that everyone who has access to this vehicle, we need to have their social security number on file. And then you're going to text your spouse and just be like, what's your social security number? And then they're going to text you their social security number. Yeah. And then that's going to be in your text messages. Like yeah. you can't predict what people are going to use storage and communication platforms for and if those things can be made secure i think they need to be yeah and let alone the the totally mundane normal stuff that criminals or identity thieves would be able to use anyway um to you know the more they know about you they can maybe trick you or um pretend they know you more than they actually do <laughs> um all that kind of stuff um yeah this is this is such a big problem um especially if the FBI gets their way. Um, and that's why, like, you know, 
there's been some suggestions that um, the sort of the government side is, or the pundit side that may be being fed messages to to promote is like you're letting the terrorists win. The FBI has a, a valid warrant, which it's true right now. The judge approved it. It's an, an actual court order to cause Apple to do this, but this is a legal situation. They can appeal, they can challenge. Um, it's not illegal for Apple to say, no, let's, <laughs> let's take this to a higher court and, and fight this. Um, so, but, you know, it's a false dichotomy. It, it's a constant false dichotomy that's so fatiguing and tiring that, but terrorists, let us do everything. <laughs> You and I are, we're pretty young. I mean, this has been the majority of our, it's been all of our adult life and then even a lot of our childhood uh, from the time when 9-11 happened and then it was just like unlimited powers, like unlimited outreach, unlimited overreach, unlimited torture, like everything is just totally fair game all of a sudden. it's It's been like the fear-mongering gift that keeps on giving. Well, and it's like, it puts the people who have the strong ground weirdly on their back legs, like justify why we can't do everything. Why do you hate America? Why do you want everyone to die? And when reality is you're, you're going to get killed by a car crash or a disease or something else a billion times more likely than a terrorist. And so, I mean, not that statistics is the only reason this is going on, but it's just a false dichotomy that, and actually I would argue securing our devices is the only good option we have for the future of society. Well, and wouldn't you say that this is a very public fight? Like Tim Cook, I think, has done a good thing by making this so public, which is a whole other part of this conversation. Like, should he have made this this aggressively public? Uh, which I saw someone said he didn't actually have a choice to bring it out. Like, he had to make an announcement. So, Apple uh, requested that the FBI have their, whatever they were going to propose, be under a sealed court order so it wouldn't be public, so they could presumably fight this legal battle quietly. Um, And the FBI insisted on making it public. And so, what do you do if you're Tim Cook? And it's like, here's a public court order... And they make you look really bad from their their rhetoric. You have to address it publicly. Like, what what else are you going to do? You have to wonder if the FBI has like marketing people, because or PR people. I mean, surely they must. Because if uh, you're looking at this this situation, and you're like, well, okay. Um, so on our side, we have nutcases like Donald Trump and and super, you know, right-wingers, people who are terrified of the world around them, and they think that they should give up all their freedoms and liberties to be safe. Uh, and they have uh, this really friendly kind of grandfather-looking guy with, with glasses who makes uh, beautiful devices everyone loves and is like a billionaire. Um, so from just like a – like when you arrive to the boxing match uh, – do you root for the giant brute with like brass knuckles on or like the scrappy, you know, underdog who's like, no, I'm going to, you know, like Glass Joe from uh, from Punch-Out. Like you, you don't root for Mr. Dream because Mr. Dream is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I just like from a PR standpoint, it's just like uh, who who do you think the average person is going to side with? But once you get past that initial exposure of like private company versus the evil government, even the right wingers and the the 
people who are typically for smaller government are like, no, this is about getting the terrorists because well, even the biggest yeah. small government people are still like super pro military, even though that's a huge the, the, part of the yeah, government. Yeah, the, there's a a weird cognitive dissonance for military and and security and defense spending. It's like, well, that can be as big as everything. Let's just martial law. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. No, I mean, so the whole, like, Apple's just doing a marketing thing, like, yeah, it's true, Apple's image is based on, like, it's tied to security, they've kind of made that part of their marketing in the past few years, especially, they have actual pages on their site. And that's an important thing, it's not like they just pulled this out of nowhere, right? They've been waving this banner for a while now. Yeah. And so it's not untrue that part of Apple's business model is being secure and convincing people that they care about that. Um, But in this instance, they did not make this public first. They are just defending themselves after it was forced into the public. Uh, And I I really think, um, you know, this is me speculating, but it really seems like an opportunistic, like, here's a, a clear tragedy with someone motivated by extremism that we can use the word terrorist a thousand times referencing. (laughs) And, uh, you know, this is the perfect point to press for what we want generally by making it about this one undisputable, awful event. And, you know, who's going to say no to helping us track down these crazy people. Yeah, I mean, and, that's why you always hear the, you know, like, why do you hate America? I mean, you even said it already. Like, the joke has already been made. You know, like, oh, we don't we don't want to compromise hundreds of millions or billions of devices security for this one thing. And it's like, oh, so have you stopped beating your wife? It's like, wait, yeah. no, that... <laughs> yeah. And I just want to turn that question around and say the government has an extraordinary, they should have an extraordinary responsibility to justify why they need such extreme, complete access to everything. Um, that burden should be on them to prove. And that's, I mean, that's what warrants are supposed to be about. It's the courts are supposed to be sort of that slowing measure of, do you have a reasonable, just cause? And if what the FBI was asking really only had implications for this one phone, if you could really actually believe that it was just about that phone, of course Apple should comply with the court order. I, I'm I'm all for reasonably like reasonable requests from law enforcement to, you know, they they do have the right to search things when they have probable cause. Like um, that's well enshrined not just in our government, but I believe in that. Like it would it would uh, hamstring justice if no one could investigate anything for any reason (laughs) um but the problem as i mean we're we're starting to repeat ourselves is the implications are just so big for this that it 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 blows up and affects everyone automatically and it's not it's not restricted well exactly we both work in technology you know like it's our hobby but it's also our, our livelihood and this is if you ask the average person a can't you just problem where most people, even technically literate people, because security is hard, right? Like this is a really complicated uh, thing for even technically literate people, let alone just your average, you know, Joe iPhone owner um, to say, well, can't they just unlock that one phone? No. Why not? Math. (laughs) Like it's a really, and I'm not saying math like to sound like an idiot, but like strong encryption 
if you don't understand how that works, first off, you shouldn't get a vote if you don't understand how it works. But second, <laughs> it's it's based on these really, really robust and complicated mathematical algorithms. So to say, can't they just? The answer is no. And they're designed that way on purpose because if you could just, then it wouldn't be secure, right? <laughs> if you could just walk yeah. into a bank and steal all the money out of the vault, that would be problematic. But the reason these real world examples are always so, they're always bad when you're comparing digital stuff to physical stuff, but it's so bad in this case because everyone who doesn't understand how encryption and security works is going to say, can't you just unlock that one phone? And it's like, no, you need to understand that to unlock this one is tantamount to unlocking them all forever. Yeah. Yeah. Enshrining in, so it's not even like, I mean, yeah, Apple could have made this tool, but I, I, for all sorts of reasons, I don't believe they're lying about the fact that they haven't made this um, because their business model, because of how much they would have to lose, because the government has every reason to want this tool. And if they had any way to know that they had made it, they would have just been like, boom, you have it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I guess to, another angle to get into is that the government's using a 200-year-old law. It's really like two sentences. It's, uh, it's basically a, a, an ancient law. I think ancient <laughs> is an appropriate term. Um, that basically says the courts can compel private industry or, or citizens to help law enforcement as long as it's not unreasonably burdensome. Um, you know, for a legitimate investigation. And it's only kind of, someone it's who does vague. not understand encryption and security would see this <laughs> as not unreasonably burdensome. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, when you start to speculate on how Apple is going to defend this legally and not just ethically or morally in the eyes of someone having a conversation about it, um, they're going to have to rely on proving that it is unduly burdensome um, and maybe even some other novel things. I was reading some speculation that they may, you know, since corporate personhood, which is problematic and I'm not totally cool with, um, but because that's a thing, um, can they claim free speech as, and we might not have time to totally <laughs> unpack that, um, but there's some court precedents that coding is a form of speech and it's not just a machine, but it's actually an act of speech. And the FBI, by forcing Apple to code a new tool is basically compelled speech, which is not something the government's allowed to do because free speech is a thing that's really well enshrined. And so, uh, you know, you wonder if they're going to go there uh, in addition to saying you're asking us to change our business, which is going to impact everything about who we are. So that's why it's burdensome. So we'll see what happens. Do you think um, the media... Man, this is like I'm racking my brain trying to stay on like a good thread, but there's so much to, to this story. Yeah. Um, and and I would just said a few weeks ago, like, yeah, we we don't do like a news of the weeky kind of thing, but I mean, man, there's like so much here. Uh, do you think the media is going to the general media, not the tech press, but do you think the media is going to side with why do you hate America, people, or are they going to side with? civil liberties of the common citizen people. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I've only seen a little bit. I was I was at the fitness center and <laughs> CNN with uh, closed captioning was on, and it's it's that thing where a screen's in front of you, even though you don't want to watch it, it's there. Um, and as the story came up about the FBI and Apple, and it seemed like the for the most part they were presenting it as equal and opposite controversy. Government One of side, the worst Apple side. Things news <laughs> ever does is. It's we give both sides of the story their fair shake. It's like no, <laughs> both sides. <laughs> one of them is wrong. Sometimes there's a hundred sides. Sometimes there's sometimes there's only one side. Sometimes there are two sides, but one of them is so obviously the more correct one. Why the hell would you give equal weight to both sides? Like that has always been so. Uh, John Oliver did an amazing thing about that with climate change, but it it, it expands to any story, right? So what I saw from CNN at the gym was it wasn't too heinous other than that like vague template of like equal and opposites. Um, uh, I mean, they, 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 they mentioned that all the other tech companies had in some form or another supported Apple. So it's sort of conveying that that industry seems to have a clear concept of what makes sense for this. Um, they also had an interview with one of the, um, I think a spouse of one of the victims of San Bernardino who was saying, um, they're actually saying kind of a middling message, but they said, as much as I'd love to track down, you know, these crappy people, I also value my privacy. So I was like, well, at least they didn't say something really awful. Um, (laughs) And so, I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's one of Apple. I think it's actually one of Apple's big battles is this sort of secret public battle of like, how do you, how do you stay on the right side of public opinion? Because as much as we want to think that it's some purely logical legal dispute, it's really a PR, it's really a public perception thing. Um, because whether it's, the, I mean, obviously the courts aren't taking votes from the public, but if, if it comes to an act of Congress later, um, the only thing that's going to protect us is if the congressmen really feel the weight of the public in a certain direction. And even that's not a guarantee, but (laughs) um, it's our only shot. Um, I I thought another thing we could mention was uh, um, just if you're unfamiliar with the, the strength of passwords and what that means for trying to break into something. um, Apple uses 256 bit AES encryption, which um, is kind of phenomenally amazing when you talk about, how hard it would be to brute force. So even with a modern supercomputing running in parallel, it would take many times the age of the universe to just break encryption. <laughs> and we're lucky that that's a thing because there would just be there would be none of this discussion if encryption wasn't mathematically somehow part of our world. <laughs> um, but the other aspect is what the FBI is trying to break is not the encryption because that's a lost cause. They, they, you're never, it's safe to say, never going to crack the encryption raw. Um, but what they're trying to crack is a pin code. And depending on the number of digits, that is a problem um, of days or maybe weeks or maybe years. It just depends how long and big your password is. And if So you have an iPhone, or an iPhone and an iPad, so is there a limit on those pin sizes? <clears throat> no. Because it used to be four, but I know they expanded that. Well, you were always also able to just create, uh, or I don't know if I can say always, but very early on you could do a complex alphanumeric too if you wanted. Um, and that can be 
dozens of digits? Yeah, like, yeah, are we talking in be, the high two digits at least? Yeah, it can be super long. Um, so if it's four digits, then you have 10,000 options. They can crack that in minutes or hours, um, assuming they're not rate limited, which is the big thing the FBI wants to bypass is the fact that they can't do it quickly. Um, but, you know, say uh, even if Apple is forced to do this and, we, you know, the whole world's destroyed because everything can be backdoored that way, um, you could have a complex password. You could have a 20-digit alphanumeric with symbols and it still might be a year's proposition to crack your password. Um, and so if you're thinking more paranoia tinfoil way, um, that's what you want to do. Because not only is your stuff encrypted, but your password is not brute forceable. So I I went to, I, I want to try this right now. I went to a how secure is my password thing, um, which just, it tells you like the rough math. And this is another one of those things like the general public is not great at math. And they're like, well, 10,000 combinations, that wouldn't take that long. You're right. Assuming you could try as fast as you could, which, right, we already said the iPhone won't let you do. Assuming you could try until you got it, which the iPhone won't let you do. And assuming you only use uh, the digits zero through nine, um, then yes, you only have 10,000 combinations, right? You have four zeros through four nines, 10,000 combinations. But if you have uh, numbers and letters, it goes up quite a bit. Uh, the entropy of it. <laughs> if you have numbers, letters, and capital letters, it goes up a lot more. And if you add in symbols, it goes up a whole lot more. And then if you go crazy and you add in like the whole UTF-8 uh, character set where you can do like umlauts and Japanese characters, like then it's it's ridiculous. So I just want to see here, um, if you do uh, a number, a letter, a capital letter, and a symbol... Um, that's still just having four digits, uh, would take a powerful computer less than a hundredth of a second, <laughs> just assuming it could try as fast yeah. as it could and that there was no, well, I've, I've seen some articles do the math for the iPhone because if you remove the other barriers, I think they estimated it could try every 80 milliseconds. So, which isn't as fast as say running in parallel with Ram copies of everything, um, right. And that's part of the, the iPhone security design is there's hardware keys um, generated and embedded in the secure enclave. So even if you extracted a RAM image of the phone, um, the thing your pin was saying was asking for success message from wouldn't be there. And it wouldn't respond to it unless it, it had the, the pairing of the key. And so that's the other thing that, you know, currently protects newer iPhones. I think the iPhone 5C doesn't have the secure enclave, but yeah. if they get this court precedent, they can just say Apple bypass that. So <laughs> that's not yeah, we, safe. We know we didn't make you bypass that the first time, but now this time you should. But in the current form, that's why you know it's another level of comfort that even if some clandestine organization got your phone, made images, and just spread it to you know a giant supercluster of millions of copies so that not just one supercomputer, but all the supercomputers try to break <laughs> it, um, it wouldn't work. And so, I mean, that's why we're talking about security being complex. That's like, It's not just, oh, it's encrypted. It's, oh, there's all these other things that have been thought through so that you can't get through it. It's supposed to be secure. And I don't know, this whole topic is fascinating because it's so techy and it kind of scratches all those itches, but it's so frustrating and it's so important. 
Well, okay. So there's there's a couple of points I've been like, I'm, I'm racking myself to make sure I, I get to them because they're, I think they're important to say. But before that, uh, if you have a 30 digit or 30 character password that's uh, special characters, lowercase letters, capital letters, and numbers. Uh, so any of those characters could be any yeah. from that set, right? So just to make sure people understand how that works, uh, it would take an average, according to this this thing, it would take an average PC running at, at maximum speed 109 quattrodecillion years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I know, I've never seen that word to describe and a number. I, I don't see Moore's Law moving fast enough to to knock that number down very quickly. Like that's like encryption is, is well established unless some mathematical trick that mathematicians haven't proven yet. That's going to be some Einstein discovers some shortcut that destroys encryption. Um, Barring some kind of innovation in math, encryption is solid. It's, it's these other mechanisms that are the loopholes. Well, okay, man, can we just have like a three hour show and just like chop, <laughs> chop it up into like before and after show? Um, so, uh, the, the, what is it? John McAfee, the crazy McAfee. Yeah. Who, who, who was wanted for questioning surrounding a murder, but it was a really corrupt government that wanted to question him. So it was obviously like going to be a bad situation. Yeah. So but he's he, a crazy guy at the same time. <laughs> he offered because he has all these hacker friends to, uh, he he and his team would for free hack this one iPhone so that Apple would not be required to uh, compromise the security of all iOS devices, um, which is a bizarre claim. And it's a bizarre like, form of support because the main thrust of his essay was, government, you're stupid, don't do this. But his his little ploy was like, I'll offer to do it. And then the government can't claim they have no other options. And... And also, I would hate to find out that he's right, that <laughs> they can break it in three weeks. Um, right. I think he was but, counting on there's got to be a bug somewhere that we'll exploit and therefore we'll preserve the purity of the government doesn't have this power to compel companies to make things. But Yeah, and if, if it came from someone less insane, you might <laughs> say, like, that's an interesting potential avenue. But one, I have to assume that there are, because there are so many iOS devices in the world, that there are hackers trying to crack them constantly. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, this is like whenever someone says like, oh, well, I don't want to store my information on Google. It's like, dude, it's Google. <laughs> like every hacker everywhere is trying to crack Google constantly. But here's the reason I bring this up. Uh, he mentioned in this article that he is friends with all these people who, uh, I can't remember the name of the hacker conference, um, where they go and whoever is like the first to crack into a certain like browser gets like a free laptop, right? Yeah. Um, or if they crack an iPhone, then like they get the iPhone. Um, and there's different definitions for what hacking it means, so don't everybody yeah. freak out. Um, but he said 75% and you know, again, he's crazy, but he's <laughs> 75% of the people he knows are uh, social engineers, which means uh, you know, you ask someone like, so where'd you grow up? So what's your mother's maiden name? So wh- what color was your first car? And you get the answers to those questions and then you can reset someone's password and the media frequently incorrectly refers to that 
as hacking. hacking. And it's not. That is not what hacking is. That is social engineering. That's why we have a different term for Same it. Same thing see. for people have been mentioning the iCloud photo celebrity scandal. That was social engineering. That was not yes. a security flaw that was discovered. Yes. When uh, Sarah Palin, during the, what, 2008 election, had her oh, yeah. Yahoo email hacked social engineering. No code was compromised. No encryption was broken. No servers were knocked over. No four hands, one keyboard. No nonsense, <laughs> right? It's just idiots doing idiot things or because they don't know any better. And, it's pepcac. I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Math is is pretty rock solid. Humans, dumb as hell. <laughs> math, pretty good. So if you have something that's secured with math, uh, you're usually pretty well off. But if... All you have to do is walk up to the guy who runs the bank and say, uh, hey, can I have all the money out of the vault? And he goes, okay. <laughs> then yeah. then it doesn't matter how strong the vault door is. So I think uh, the media needs to – it'd be nice if they educated themselves on this whole thing. But they need to make sure that they are clear on the point. If they want to be accurate – which, you know, maybe they don't. Uh, but I feel like they need to be clear on the point that um, compromising this, you know, it can't be isolated. It would compromise everybody. And is that a price we're willing to pay to maybe we don't it's not like we yeah. know for sure we would get something out of this. Like, are we willing to pay back, pay this price that we can never, ever take back? And we don't even we're not even guaranteed to get the thing we're after. Yeah, it, yeah, it could just be grocery lists on that phone. Uh, I'm like, th- this is um, this is blowing my mind here. Yeah. So, y- you think the media is not in your your limited exposure? Because I think you and I both kind of stay away from from yeah. mainstream. Media. I mean, there's some New York Times articles I thought have been pretty good about presenting accurate and also accessible explanations of why Apple's opposing this and why the government wants to do this. And um, I, I've liked some of those articles. Um, one, they have one out about, uh, you know, why is Tim Cook suddenly at the center of like s- this civil rights like kind of moment? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's sort of like a, a you know, a, a, a puff piece about like him as a person. He grew up in Alabama fighting Ku Klux Klan or something. But <laughs> but it's actually a good article about like, you know, Apple runs their business this way. So they have, you know actual business reasons to do this but also it's kind of seems to be part of who tim cook is too um you know like apple does some you know and then again you can always argue the business side they do some like um you know trying to remove poisons or or hazardous materials from their devices and they have like this like eco report that comes out and uh yeah, that's good PR because Apple has a certain image to protect, but also shareholders are like, why are you wasting money on that? Just make cheap devices. And he was like, he like totally verbally trashed someone on a, like a, a, a what do they call those? The conference calls. Um, oh, the, the earnings calls? He basically said, because it's the right thing to do and I don't care about profits only, shut up. <laughs> well, and whenever someone says, oh, you're just doing that for PR reasons, and it's like, but they did the right thing or they did a good thing or they did a better alternative compared to what they might have done otherwise. And if what they get in return for that is confirmation that they did in fact do that thing, that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Like everyone involved understands what happens. Yeah. Like we did a thing 
that was good so that people would think we're good. And then people say, we think you're good. Like no one was tricked or confused in that scenario. You know, when Apple has an entire page of their website dedicated to how the like the glass is, doesn't have lead in it and there's no, I don't know, orphans used to make the, the unibody metal yeah. the aluminum frame, like whatever it is they're touting, um, those are all true things. So why wouldn't they say those things yeah. and then have people who care about those things say, this is a company that is making priorities in line with mine. And that's exactly what they're doing with security. And what they've been doing is security is important to me. Um, so I'm going to align myself with this company that security is important to them. Like it, yeah. it's, no one is being tricked here. Everyone <laughs> understands yeah. what the agreement is. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that there's the cynical take on these things and I'm not saying it's like completely unreasonable to have that, but it's still like, even if you have the most cynical of takes, it's like, but their cynical business model still lines up with good stuff. I mean, that's what I hear you saying. And, uh, yeah. um, that's kind of one of the depressing things is that we're, we're kind of relying on a corporate, a private corporation, or I guess they, they're publicly, you know, shareholders, but, um, it's a, it's a non-government organization that, uh, is at the forefront of, holding back government overreach. And that's kind of depressing. And it seems like a role reversal where the government's supposed to protect our rights and corporations are always the big bad guys. But right now it's a freak example of the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That private public thing always trips me up. I think the correct way is they are a publicly held private company Yeah, because they're in the private sector, which means they're a corporate, you know, a company and the public sector is government stuff, I think. Yeah. And I've worked for government th- via universities most of my life, so you'd think I'd have that straight, but I don't. <laughs> um, so here's one thing I want to say for myself, and, and you can tell me I'm dumb and wrong if you think I am, uh, but I, I, I haven't seen a lot of this in the, the pro-security articles, and I understand why they're not wasting valuable words on their blog posts on this, but I genuinely believe that most of the people who are part of the giant government machine, whether it's the FBI or Homeland Security or whatever, I genuinely believe that most of those people are doing what they're doing because they think it's the right thing. I don't think this is a giant cabal of supervillains tenting yeah. their fingers and saying like, ha soon we will get into all the iPhones. Wah Like I don't, I really don't think that's happening, but even if you are, optimistic on people as a group because there is a power hierarchy you would only need one or two evil people somewhere relatively close to the top to give orders that innocent people i mean i'm not i realize i'm getting dangerously close to like the nazi just following orders thing but that was very black and white like rounding people up and murdering them is not something anyone with a conscience would do unless they believed that killing them was a good idea. So this is not about the stupid Nazi, like anyone can be forced to be evil thing. What I'm saying is the situation is incredibly complicated and you present it to, uh, you know, the FBI in this case and say, if we do this thing, break encryption in this case, it will help us catch bad guys. So we can never undo the bad things that have happened, but we might be able to prevent bad things in the future. And when you make that a choice to someone, 
most people are good people and they're going to say, well, I want to prevent bad things from happening. You just don't know people's expertise or frame of reference. Good detective man is not necessarily computer man. And, uh, you know, he may have people around him saying, yeah, it sounds kind of scary to like break this, but trust me, we, we can protect it. It'll be just for us. And you could be persuasive in a certain frame of reference that that's reasonable and possible. And then your conclusion is, why is Apple being such a jerk? They, they must hate America. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And I think that's why these kinds of things are so scary, because they are incredibly complicated and we live... In a time in history, in a country, and a, a uh, just part of the human condition is we really like to have stuff reduced to the simplest, you know, the the black and white, the left and right, the the up and down, the yeah. the, the Democrat versus Republicans. We want it to be a choice, and we don't want too many choices. We just want to know what's the right thing, what's the wrong thing, and this, like most important things, is way, way, way more complicated than that. Yeah. And the consequences I, are huge. It's not just like an really interesting huge. philosophical dilemma. It's, and I mean, I listed out like just off the top of my head, like assuming this back door becomes a reality and just part of our world. Um, imagine like a repressive regime that, you know, wants to track down dissidents and just be like, these are the people that are saying bad things about our government. Let's go and just, you know, inconvenience them, silence them, do worse. Um, I could imagine insurance companies or some other kind of, you know, not well-liked industries that mine personal data, you know, without consent and um, charge people higher rates for behaviors or information they've gleaned in illegal ways, but they can do it. Um, Or imagine uh, our politicians and however cynical you are about politics, and I'm pretty cynical, um, it would just be worse if all of their data is now completely um, in the wild and they can be blackmailed way more effectively. Um, you know, we, we just lose grasp on our government and the, the, the entire like basic civic discourse that runs it, um, at least if you have any optimism left in yourself. Um, and we've come all this way without saying... Uh, the people who say, well, I have nothing to hide are dumb and wrong. But if you are one of those people, um, you are wrong. I'm sorry I just called you dumb. But (laughs) if you're the kind of person who thinks it's okay for anyone, for any reason, at any time, to have unlimited access to anything that I might consider private because I have nothing to hide, you're wrong. (laughs) So that please send me how... your social security number and all your passwords <laughs> and yeah. what could go wrong. Yeah, that is not how security and liberties work, right? The 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 right to have something that you would consider private and have the absolute authority over that being private. Um, yeah. You either get that or you don't. And to say because... I have nothing to hide. No one has anything to hide is even more insane, right? Like you, if you're willing to give up your freedom and to, to have privacy and live your life completely in public, that is up to you and that's fine. But uh, to say other people should also live that way so that these arbitrary and hypothetical, remember, we can't undo bad things that have already happened. So these hypothetical bad guys might be stopped in this hypothetical future is 
insane. It's gambling, right? Yeah. You're just saying, I'm going to bet this huge thing that I can never take back, right? I'm going to bet the company payroll on number 30. And if it lands on number 30, I'm going to look like a genius. But if it lands on literally anything else, then I'm a yeah. sad sack forever. Well, and I also would want to compare it to like one of the things about our legal system is supposed to be that the burden of proof is very high in criminal trials. Obviously, with civil stuff, it's not quite as high. Um, and the reason and making that burden so high means that occasionally people who are actually guilty, but just for some reason there's not enough evidence to prove it, will go free. And that's a compromise our legal system makes to avoid sending innocent people to jail. And um, that's sort of just the the calculus of some guys are going to get away because it's better for everyone that this burden of proof has to be high. And I kind of feel similarly about encryption. Like, I get it. There's going to be bad people that are harder to track because encryption is a real thing. But it's still better for everyone who has health data, who has financial details, who has facts about where they live and where they go and where they travel and how often and all of their behavior that would make them vulnerable to awful things from other bad people. And so this is our trade-off. And yeah, everything's kind of a hard trade-off, but I think this one's pretty clear to me that <laughs> encryption is way more important to have than whatever terror plot they might stop hypothetically and another man seriously this episode could end up being like <laughs> 10 hours if we wanted it to uh another piece of this that i think is not well understood by the the general public is humans uh need not apply and when i say that what i'm really getting at is if you have insecure digital data it can be mined at the speed of light by robots. So it's not like, oh, well, what are they going to do? Are they going to pay an army of people to sift through everybody's iMessages? <laughs> no, <laughs> they're going to write software that sifts through everybody's iMessages at billions and billions and billions of yeah. words per second. Oh, man, that's and the other sinister thing about the FBI's request is part of their details is they wanted it to work remotely. They wanted to be able to remotely attempt to unlock the passcode. That's just a short code for we want to be able to attack everyone's phone. Yes, because if it can work remotely, then they would just build a giant server array that could attack every single phone simultaneously. So, And I really, I mean, they, they kind of, this sort of thing comes up. Uh, you remember we talked about Gmail, man, like dozens of episodes yeah. ago. This is... That people freak out. They're like, oh, Google's reading my mail. No, uh, robots are reading your mail so that you don't get spam and so they can serve you some And also ads, you like, have other options if it really bothers you that algorithms look through your email. You don't have yeah, to use Google. Absolutely. But you will have no spam protection if you don't want algorithms because that's how <laughs> no, that works. No, that's true. <laughs> um, but that's, I, I really think people don't understand that. They're, they're imagining like the Watergate scandal. Like human beings have to go to a room with an iPhone and and open the iPhone using, you know, hackerness, and then they're going to look through all the data that's on the iPhone. That's Hacking not how intensifies. This <laughs> that's not how this works. This is, uh, if, if this encryption is weakened or broken, you're talking about zero people, not one person, not a hundred people, zero people, just a big robot somewhere in the desert, probably being able to scan <laughs> all the things all the time and to do that ongoing like 
when you create new data, now that data gets mined. And then they can use historical data. Yeah, then they can use historical data to make predictive uh, guesses about how you're going to behave in the future. And like maybe you accidentally flagged a bunch of the things that makes you look like a terrorist, even though you're not a terrorist. And then suddenly uh, law enforcement starts treating you differently because you're like on this watch list. And 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 you just have to look at history to know law enforcement. Like I, I support law enforcement and their legal charge to actually investigate things. Like I'm not anti-cop, but it there bad stuff happens. People do bad things, and uh, that that's why you can't just give blanket default access. You you have to limit it. You have to have that those checks and balances. And the more I'm, I'm thinking about this, the more I. I think there are probably some people in various kinds of law enforcement, the military, the FBI, you know, local law enforcement who think uh, the the minority report movie was like a blueprint for the future <sighs> where they, it's like, if we just had enough data, if we just knew enough about enough people, we could invent psycho just history. Just like, yeah. And, and then we could, pr- we could catch people before the crime was committed. And that's to someone who has made it their life's duty to stop a bad guys. That is probably the white dragon you chase in your dreams, right? Is like, what if I could save the murder victim instead of punishing the murderer? But I just don't think that's reasonable. Like I don't, nothing in the world has ever indicated to me that that's actually possible. And betting everybody's security and privacy on on catching the white dragon yeah. uh, seems like a really a sucker's bet. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's why I would also say, even if you completely implicitly trust our government, not only that they only have good intentions, but also that they're competent and perfectly competent and responsible <laughs> with this tool, which That's I don't funny. think a lot of people believe that <laughs> second one. I know some people really do think the government's kind of doing the right thing. Um, then it's not even just about our government anymore. It's about literally anyone else getting access to this. China, Russia, criminals, whatever. Yeah, random kid in his dorm. <laughs> it's it's one, once the the gate is unlocked, it's not like you have to physically walk up to the gate. You can access the gate from anywhere in the world where you have an internet connection, which is basically anywhere in the world and parts of space. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the slightly comforting thing is that this is a problem at all for the FBI, that they have to fight Apple on it because we would have already lost if there was no controversy and they just already had everything they wanted. Um, That's like sort of the canary in the coal mine of this whole situation is like, oh, they actually do have to like bring out the big guns because they aren't getting what they want. And so it's like small comfort. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, <laughs> protect us, Tim Cook. So, I don't know. I, re- I think the tech press has been acting like all the other tech companies are siding with Tim Cook. Uh, particularly Sundar Pichai uh, tweeted a few tweets that were in agreement with Tim Cook's thesis, but he did not take a hardline stance and say, Google agrees with Apple on this. Yeah, it was a little milk toast, I would say. It, it was, and I don't... I think he probably does actually tweet his own tweets, whereas that the press release, or it's not a press release, but the, the letter from Tim Cook was probably reviewed by lawyers and reviewed by PR definitely. people. And, it definitely yeah. was. So, so I understand Sundar Pichai not just taking a blanket, you know, 140 character legal position on 
on where Google as but, a gigantic and, company stands. But he could by now have written yeah. his lawyer-reviewed, PR-reviewed piece and, and posted I, it to Google. I do want that from Google. I know Google has posted other things pro-encryption that, that are awesome. and But on this specific thing, I want them to be a little more prominent. Uh, Microsoft also released a kind of a generic statement from... There's a big trade group of people that are pro-encryption. And, you know, Google and Microsoft and, you know, a whole laundry list of companies are part of that group. But the the letter kind of came off as like, hey, don't do bad stuff. Please don't hit us. Instead of like, <laughs> yeah, it's like we don't want to stick our necks out, which I mean, I, I kind of understand on one level, but it's kind of like, no, we need a loud and clear signal that the public sees. And, you know, maybe there's enough, but I mean, I, I want as much as possible because I'm really worried about what's going to happen with this case. Do you think this is going to go to the Supreme Court and be like a big media circus where they're they're following it and they're doing bios on the lawyers and on Tim Cook? I think and it's on- definitely a possibility. Um, but I also wonder if, if the FBI ever gets wind that they might lose if they're just going to retreat and, and withdraw the request before a precedent gets set. Um, it's sort of like... We need them to be confident enough to push it that far, but then to lose so that we get the good precedent. But I, mean, I don't know enough about the legal machinery. Like, at what points can they just go, just kidding, please don't tell us we lost? Because <laughs> they would rather retreat and find an even more contentious, even more easy to win with the public, like, horrible situation that calls for this kind of encryption breaking um, so they can win the public battle and... I just worry that they'll just retreat if they think they'll lose. Should we talk about the very important position that Donald Trump took? On this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump tweeted. Uh, he was just like, "Hey, I have an I have a Samsung and an Apple, and I'm going to stop using Apple unless they." stop whining and and give over their their stuff to the FBI, which exposes not only that he's a dumbass and that he just doesn't care and he maybe even even knows he's wrong or misleading, but it's part of his bravado to just kind of be an asshole. Um, uh, But his his tweet exposes that he really has no understanding or is deliberately not caring about the details because Apple doesn't have data that they just won't hand over. That's not what's being requested. And actually, it's well, well established that if Apple did have data, the government could force them to give it up, which they did with iCloud because they do have a mechanism for accessing iCloud data, um, which is concerning if you care about your privacy, don't use cloud services because the government can force companies to give that up because it's not yours, it's that company's. Um, but yeah, this isn't Apple won't let go of the thing they're holding. It's... Apple, make a new thing that breaks everything. Well, this is... So the iCloud thing you just said, um, I feel like I'm doing a lot of PSAs. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's it's complicated, right? And there's even... There's huge pieces of this I don't fully have my, my fingers around, but... With when people say like, oh, I don't want to store anything in the cloud because then you know law enforcement can get access to it or the government can get access to it. It's like, yeah, they can also come into your house. Like, if they get a warrant, they can come into your house and go through your things. So, physical objects are 
secure in a different kind of way. Um, but they're not legally protected. In fact, they are, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of precedents of, you know, person commits crime, uh, law enforcement goes and gets a warrant and then they come to your house and they yeah, arrest you and then you, they go through all your stuff. You're not protected from searches blanket. You're protected from what's called unreasonable searches. And the, the problem is what is counted as unreasonable has been shrinking. But yeah. that's the constitutional amendment. The Fourth Amendment protection is unreasonable search. And so that applies to your cloud data. If they have a warrant and the company has access to that stuff, government can go look at it. And that's just that's just a fact. And I, I don't think that's controversial, but um, I do wonder if there could be business models, I guess what, what you were referring to before, where the company doesn't hold the key. Um, what was the, that email company, LavaBits? Oh, uh, was yeah. It was like it was like Fire Bits or Lava Bits. They something, they they ran like encryption encrypted email that they didn't hold keys for, and um, or they they had some form of access, and they were like kind of trolling the government, which kind of ended poorly for them. Like the government asked for some key, and they printed it out at like a hundred million point font on five hundred pieces <laughs> of paper, and said, "Go ahead and enter this key." Um, and the judge was not happy, understandably, with that form of compliance. Um, so they got they got kind of bullied down, and I mean that's a different case. It had very different details, but still, it was troubling on some level. Um, this is an interesting battle because it's Apple. It's it's one of the biggest companies you could pick a fight with. It's not just, you know, you could imagine the same legal battle happening, but it's some tiny company that has no resources. They just have to fold. Like, do they go out of business or do they comply? They, that's their only choice. Yeah, and I think that email company actually did fold. I yeah. think they, they said, yeah, we could comply with this, but we'd rather close our business. Um, right. which is kind of cool. I mean, they're a small company, but like they took a serious stance and I, I respect that, um, at the cost of, you know, people's jobs and, and their, their brand and everything. Um, I wonder if there is a technical solution to this in that encryption is, is computationally expensive. That is why it's so computationally expensive to break. Um, it's computationally expensive to do correctly let alone to try and like hammer at it mm -hmm. so uh would we be able to do more kinds of encryption where apple doesn't have the keys or google doesn't have the keys um if the encryption can be done way way faster and and yeah. the hardware to do it is is better so well, I think the on the fly. I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of, of formulating this, but I'm thinking like most data is encrypted in transit because that's relatively inexpensive. But not everything is in stored is stored. Yeah, encrypted that's the because, big problem. Is a lot of stuff stored unencrypted. Right, and this is every every breach you've ever heard about in the last like five or ten years about like oh a bunch of credit card data lost from Target, oh a bunch of credit card data lost from Lowe's or lost from Kroger or whoever. Sony, yeah, Sony, yeah. It's because. In transit, that data is encrypted, so you can't do what's called wire sniffing. Um, but at rest, it's not encrypted, which means if you can get a hold of the database through something simple like social engineering, then or if you're just a corrupt employee or whatever, then now not only do you have the data, but you don't even have to crack it. Like It's just out there in plain text. So I think if technologically we can continue to make progress on 
encryption and how keys can be stored securely and not owned by the company, but owned by the individual, um, then that might change some of this because right now it's just, it's very, very computationally expensive to have everything encrypted all of the time. Yeah. But this, and you're right that the encryption, the the processor cost of the time is a, a big factor, but it's also a business model factor because Apple's well suited to that world. Um, not every other big competitor is suited to that world if they if they make their money off of not uh, having access to that stuff. Well, but even so, uh, let's use Google as an example because they're always, I feel like the the counterweight to Apple even though it shouldn't necessarily be a dichotomy, but let's just make it one. Um, so in Gmail, if if all Gmail was encrypted, then that meant, oh, we can't serve you ads. Well, yeah, no, there are some ways you could make that work. They like, just couldn't serve you ads based on the content of your email. No, I think they could even do that, and I'm going to, oh. can't you just all over this and, <laughs> and oversimplify it, but uh, at the time you log in, that decrypts the content. The content is sent anonymously into an algorithm that does add nonsense on it. Ads are returned to you, but it's not clear that an ad was returned to you, just that an ad was returned to a user. And this specific ad was returned in compliance with this algorithm based on some data that was fed in that you can't see. Yeah. And the reason I think this kind of thing is possible is because it's actually already happening. So with Apple Maps, one of the reasons they have some of their weirdness, just like there's weirdness with iMessage, is because when you go on a trip with Apple Maps uh, and use it for navigation, in the background, it actually breaks that up into pieces so that Apple cannot, and I don't think under any circumstances, they may be extreme circumstances, but they cannot equate the beginning of the journey and the end of the journey with one user. That's very interesting. I think I did read that the other day and I was like, wow. Yes. And this is why this is one of the reasons that there's some weirdness with Apple maps. But if you're talking about something as trivial as ads, like, so what I get a banner ad that's not for me. Most banner ads are not for me and they can already see everything I'm doing. (laughs) It's because the companies that want to push push a message in front of you don't care how much you care about the topic. <laughs> exactly right. So I think there are things that could be done in a more secure and encrypted and anonymous way if encryption just wasn't so incredibly expensive. Yeah. And again, computationally expensive. Yeah, that's definitely... I, but at least like on disk encryption, that's gotten way better. I mean, like the the hit on like on a MacBook Air of turning FileVault on, I think it's less than ten percent on the performance of the machine, which isn't nothing, but it's for most people totally unnoticeable. And yeah, I mean, it, on on disk encryption has gotten good enough that a company like Apple, who cares very much about the perceived performance of their devices. In the latest two versions of OS X and the latest, I think, two or three versions of iOS, yeah, it's been on by default. So that means they were willing to ship encrypted devices to people and and, and had the expectation that those people would still feel like those devices were performant and and smooth and buttery, right? And then the person never even has to think about it. It's just on. And then if you lose your device, someone can't just 
yeah. you know, crack it open and be like, oh, look, all your stuff. So, so this episode will never end. But <laughs> I mean, something else you're making me think of is uh, you wonder if, you know, depending on how this goes, if the NSA and some like the CIA or some other branches of government are like, damn it, FBI, you're going to ruin our party. Because part of the reason Apple can challenge this so formally is the FBI is not an international visa court organization. It's a domestic. And so that's why you you can challenge it under, you know, the laws of our nation and not just our foreign policy or something. Um, And you you have to wonder if they're like, you're going to ruin this. Stop drawing only if so they much lose. attention to this. <laughs> we're, we're having such a good time, you know, hacking the internet at its access points between countries and the ocean. And uh, yeah, stuff like that does happen. <laughs> yeah, total intercept. But hey, if we get in transit encryption, we're all right. Um, yeah, I mean, you need, I think you want data that is encrypted itself going over an encrypted line so that it's like, well, even if they are able to, you know, cut a hole in the hose and, and let all the water drip out, they don't have, you know, they, they don't have anything. Like, it's just noise. Yeah. Um, so that's, but again, like, that needs to, be, I mean, you brought this up at the very beginning six hours ago when we started. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has to be, um, it has to be done in such a way that the users either don't even have an option like that's just how everything's done everything's encrypted all the time or that it's so easy that of course they would opt for the secure way because yeah. why wouldn't you it's still fast it's still simple it still gets done what i want to get done if every time you fired up apple maps it sent you like some random arby's no matter where your actually inputted location was nobody would use that they would say like oh give me the less secure one because it actually works but if you can make it work and make it secure like that's the holy grail of technology yeah because you know usability up security down security up usability down if you can force that 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 division to break and make them both go up that's that'll be magic and i i really hope that technologists uh, both academics and people in the industry especially ones that are rich enough not to only care about profits um that's a whole other thing is uh you know like you want to talk about not only like compromising our security but companies loving it um you just have to bring up at&t who gets paid by the government for providing access to information um that's a whole other troubling thing um but i don't even remember where i was going with it i'm, I'm running in circles now <laughs> it, so uh why does at&t get a paycheck for that oh well i mean part of the the all writs sort of thing is uh so one of the the arguments the fbi is making is hey in the 70s we asked phone companies to keep a log of who everyone called and that wasn't burdensome so apple needs to shut up and break the world um (laughs) and um there's a number of reasons to dispute i saw an article and one uh, a law professor was saying why that's a crappy comparison on a number of levels and you know one of the reasons is um phone companies already maintained those kinds of lists for internal reasons. So they already had this, you know, you want to call it technology. So providing it to government was not burdensome. It was already a matter of course in their business. Apple does not currently create backdoors into their systems. And so they'd be being asked to create a wholly new thing. And those phone records were likely perused by hand by a specific 
you know, yeah. set of law enforcement officials involved in a specific case. You couldn't just have a giant refrigerator-sized reel-to-reel and, computer with punch cards yeah. mining data records 24 hours and a day. And there was no risk that suddenly AT&T would give literally everyone on Earth <laughs> the phone list. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I, I mean, I've seen this. The courts tend to have a sort of a good faith stance with law enforcement. Like you really got to prove to us that they're doing something that's an overreach or wrong. Otherwise we're going to like, you know, a cop's testimony holds a lot of weight in a courtroom because it's just assumed they're telling the truth They're They know what they're doing. Um, you kind of have to go above and beyond to prove the alternative. Yeah, I mean they're employed to be the that's been the sentinels of our yeah, society, and that is their function. Been, I mean that's one of the biggest frustrations with the NSA, like wiretapping, is um, even just getting status to claim that you've been spied on has been impossible, and you know all sorts of legal challenges have been shot down because the the courts just say, well, you can't prove that anything actually happened. So even though because of Snowden or other reasons, you know something was happening, you still can't prove that you personally happened. <laughs> Which, to me, just goes right back to the, it, yes, you're right, a human didn't do it, a robot <laughs> did it. So if you have, if you, the government, have access to every iPhone because you forced Apple under court order to break fundamental encryption on their devices, then can't everyone say that this has happened to them that's true it's like if if everyone was suddenly required to build their the roof of their house out of glass it's like yeah i can't prove that someone's looking in but anyone going over would be looking in just because the roof is glass but it doesn't hold up and the reason is they've they've done this with the nsa is collecting the data is not the same as searching it they've argued and and won so far on claiming is the fact that they have all of your data in this pot over here doesn't mean i went and looked in that pot yeah i have a bunch of servants looking in that pot all the time (laughs) but i don't see what the servants see until they bring it to me and it's like it's all taking them on their word and even though we have revelations from snowden that nsa workers did petty stupid personal things with that data um yeah they they were checking up on their boyfriends and girlfriends they were looking at at naked pictures and stuff yeah um so it's it's all very frustrating and i i I have a little bit of hope in this fbi case that we're gonna have a a good result but man i'm worried man i don't know what's gonna happen and as a private citizen don't you feel like you would be very upset i would be very upset anyone who understands what this would represent would be very upset but in your day-to-day life like what would you really change? Are you going to stop using the internet and your phone? Would you switch to Android or BlackBerry or Windows Phone? Well, this precedent wouldn't protect me on any other platform. It, they'd have the same established power to go to that manufacturer. I mean, I guess I'd have to cobble together something that manufacturers have no access to. And, you know, like we were talking about where they have no keys to flash my firmware. I mean, if I became committed to it, that would be my only option. And, you know, what if Congress passes a law saying you're not allowed to make a computing platform that, <laughs> yeah, I don't, well, I don't see. Isn't, isn't there, there's something around, uh, you can't, because of the, I think it's the Fifth Amendment uh, against self-incrimination, you can't be required to give up a password to an encrypted volume 
or encrypted data. But if um, that data can be unencrypted with, like, say, your fingerprint, yeah, that's not something you know. That's something you are. Yeah, so that's why if you, if you ever get arrested, restart your iPhone so it requires the password and won't take your fingerprint. <laughs> um, or, you know, the, the other safeguard there is I think after 48 hours or it might even be 24, the phone just requires the passcode no matter what, even if... It's it's forty eight. Okay. I know because every time I pick up my iPad, it says, "Hey, you haven't touched me in forty eight <laughs> hours." A, I mean, that's part of like the rate limiting. That's a good feature, even though in that example, it's annoying. You're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, th- this is what we've we've both been saying is that the security is better, so the usability is a little bit worse. But I think we're getting to a point where we're starting to, because of computational power and because of of just advances in user experience. I think we are, we haven't completely divorced them, you know, as, as security goes up, UX still goes down, but it's no longer one-to-one. So security can go up, you know, a thousand units and UX only goes down like one or two units. And then eventually it won't go down at all. And then eventually if we're really lucky and enough smart people care about this and work on it, you know, they can go up together, even if they don't go up in lockstep. But if, just increasing security doesn't make the user experience worse. That would be a massive win. No, I have a, a real big piece of tinfoil to throw into this, though. Go for and it. that there, there are some known projects of the NSA and who knows who else to get in at the chip level to compromise random number generators and the like and other math engines in our chips so that they can be compromised. Um, Another like, hey, this bla- this back door is only going to be for us. We promise. Um, I don't know. It's, I said giant piece of tinfoil. This is not nearly at the level of what we're seeing with the FBI stuff. But you know, then it doesn't matter what your software is on any level if your hardware is coughing up things. Isn't that yeah, terrifying? That's, that's that's pretty scary. <laughs> but I mean, that's, this is uh, you know the, this. The tinfoil hat stuff all the way to the FBI thing that is very real and is very public and is very much actually happening and people should be informed about down to even simple things like should individuals have strong passwords? Should they uh, lie to their security questions so that they can't be guessed and social engineered? Like at any time, someone could kick the door into your house and hold a gun to your head and force you to give up your your personal information, right? Like, yeah. Per- perfect security is not a real thing. Um, what I I think you and I are both advocating for, and anyone who understands this is advocating for, is um, don't put giant holes in the middle of everybody's suit of armor just because that means you can also shoot the bad guys. Yeah. You know, like, I, I feel... there. It's right on the tip of my tongue, but there's like... it. There's always this kind of battle between like an offensive strategy and a defensive strategy in in law enforcement and military operations and espionage kind of operations and i i fundamentally disagree with the idea of taking away the shields of normal people so that it's easier to shoot it's it's chemotherapy i mean it's it's basically poisoning everyone because we want to kill that bad thing yeah that's a way more eloquent example thank you (laughs) So, yeah, I, I reject, and I mean, even with medical advancements, I think, you know, a hundred years from now, presumably we're going to look back and be like, 
you poisoned people to cure cancer. <laughs> it's like, well, we couldn't just bleed them. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll totally look at at that current kind of stuff and... It'll be just like leeches, right? Yeah. If if we don't with a little on, more robust reason behind it, but it's the only le- hammer leeches, we have. Leeches totally work in certain very specific cases. <laughs> so to wrap this up, uh, do you want to just talk about a few things that anybody listening can can take advantage of to make themselves more secure? Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I didn't. And with the cloud storage thing, is is one of the things I'll mention here. Um, I didn't want to fear monger there. Um, right now, as far as we all know, and I don't have any strong reason to not believe this, um, Apple and Google won't give up your data without a court order. So it's not like they're just totally open, and the government sees everything in there, unless there's some zero day they're not aware of. Um, and, well, and Google even got in trouble for fighting to make the number of court orders they got public. Yeah, and Microsoft's been battling, and all of them have been battling for even just the right to notify users that their data was requested. Um, a lot of these things get served up with gag orders and, and security letters that are you know insist that there will be swift penalties for disclosing. Is, isn't it kind of annoying? Sorry, I, f- I found another thing to talk about. <laughs> isn't it kind of annoying that this need for security and secrecy somehow does not extend to normal people. So, you know, like, oh, well, you you can't just know where a congressperson lives. You might make a threat on their life. Oh, you can't just uh, know what law enforcement is doing. That might compromise the investigation. And let me be clear. They're right. You shouldn't just know where everybody lives because then bad actors could do something with that. You shouldn't know the inner workings of every law enforcement proceeding because that could compromise the investigation. I agree with those things, but I don't understand why that need and desire and respect for security yeah. and privacy doesn't go you know, to us normal folk. But even to add some nuance, I know the public doesn't like nuance, but... Uh, no, binary only. Even agreeing with that, that basic principle that, oh, not everything an investigation is doing should be completely public knowledge because that could compromise the investigation. Um, that can obviously go too far. And like, I mean, I can think of a recent story where the FBI set up a pedophile website and actually had users submitting child porn to it and just as a, a honeypot, but like, man, how far can you go with your honeypot? Like, can you actually, you know, start prostituting children because you want to catch a bad guy? Like, it's just like, there's got to be a line somewhere on that, right? Well, isn't that the joke that if uh, the NSA really is collecting everybody's text messages, then they have the largest collection of <laughs> child porn in the world? Uh, that is a depressing fact that... <laughs> I mean, it's a weird way to think about it, but if, you know, teenagers are sexting, which we know at least some of them are, and the NSA is collecting all of that, then gross. Yeah. Lots of gross. Super gross. Um, We got way off topic from things you can do to protect yourself. So I was (laughs) saying, um, I I made a point earlier that cloud storage is fair game to the government with a court order, and there's nothing you have any say in it about it at all. Um, you can't take any precaution that'll protect that. And so if that really mattered to you, you'd have to opt out of cloud storage unless someone comes along like LavaBits and doesn't get shut down by the government. Um, or you only use cloud storage that you can put raw files in and those raw files oh, are Oh, good point, good point. Um, 
because then they they can play with your encrypted file all they want, but they're not going to get anything <laughs> out of it. Um, which I suppose there, there could be some like mini service that pre-encrypts everything before it, it sends it up there. And I'm sure there'll be some cotton industry of that if, if this goes poorly. Back to the topic. What can you do to protect yourself? Well, number one is there's still math behind this. So a strong, complex password on your phone, not a four-digit PIN, um, random, not, not your dog's name and your birthday, like a strong, complex password is something you should do. And I know it's inconvenient, but maybe with if you don't have to enter it once every couple of days and you got your fingerprint all the other times, um, I don't know. Um, that's um, I actually currently only use, I shouldn't say this, but <laughs> I use a certain digit pin code, um, but I, I'm really thinking about switching to a complex password. I know I've seen you access your phone before you have some crazy thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I, I try to... Because I, I make these very recommendations we're about to discuss to people all the time. So I try to eat my own dog food so that when someone says, it's hard, I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, that's the main thing I, I would say. I don't really have any other tips because, I mean, we're screwed if this goes badly. But um, <laughs> if it came down to it, it, it really is about limiting your, your interaction with those cloud storage places where the government can do whatever they want. And I mean, again, the government isn't some monolithic evil, evil thing. There's obviously tons of great people with good intentions there. But, um, you know, if you were, let's say that you're, you're the full tinfoil person that are committed to this, um, you would need to combine complex password with basically no cloud storage or like you were saying, encrypted, pre-encrypted stuff. Um, and then with iPhones, at least, you can do a local backup instead of an iCloud backup, and you can turn on encryption for that. So if you're willing to store gigabytes on your computer and do it that way. Well, and then you, again, there's a little bit clunkier of a user experience there, but you can make that encrypted backup and put it on your local computer, but put it in like Dropbox or OneDrive or yeah. anywhere. Like any cloud storage is then basically safe because what you're giving them is a big blob of nonsense that they can't get into. I, I forget the details though, because I wonder if that encrypted backup is keyed to the Mac you made it on. I don't know if that's true or not. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so in this specific case, there may be... There may be limitations. Right, and th this is why the usability goes down so fast is because you need to figure out the exact idiosyncrasies <laughs> of your particular piece of zany machinery yeah. that you build. Yeah. Um, the thing I'll add, and I mentioned it before, but I just want to say it again. Um, if you are like the vast majority of human beings I have ever met, you probably have answered your security questions honestly. Um, go to your bank, go to your phone company, go to your, if you have a, an alarm for your house, go there, go to your email, go everywhere you can, no matter how trivial you think that service is, go everywhere you can and turn all your security question answers into lies. I, I just generate say, hashed like passwords. Th yeah, that's what I do. For, for a long time before I was using a password manager, they were lies. They were like, I had a mnemonic way to remember my lies. Um, but yeah, now my you know, the answer to like, what was your first car is like a hundred digit random nonsense. Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things that would take till beyond the heat death of the universe to, to guess programmatically. And the reason I can do that is because I use a password manager and I don't have to store any of these things in my brain. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to have to remember all these complicated passwords. It's not like you're going to have to remember all of these lies. 
uh, and all these hashes and things, you store them in a secure place. And I'll admit that this this yeah. really toes the line of single point of failure because then it's like, well, what if someone gets a hold of that? And it's like, well, then you're screwed. But if your email password is baseball and they get into your email, they can now, <laughs> yeah, they can reset your password to everything anyway, um, which is another thing. Your email needs needs to be secure because if they have that, they have you. Yeah. If someone has your email, they have you by the balls. Yeah. And even if, if Google can get the content of your email out, that's different than Google knowing your password, which they do not know. Right. And it's different than someone being able to impersonate you yeah. <clears throat> through your email and act, you know, go to your bank and hit the password reset, which sends a thing to your email and then being able to go into your email. And an extension to this is uh, your phone needs to have a pin or something. Yeah. Pin, password. Yeah, I realize I jumped to complex, but yeah, put something on your phone. Yeah, because which they're all getting phone, better at defaulting people into that. Oh, yeah. But your phone definitely has your email on it. And as I said, if they get your email, they have you by the, you know, non-specific genitals. <laughs> uh, the, the, this will never end. Should we just rest <laughs> for the next round? <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, I think this was, wow, two hours. We killed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think this was good. I think um, if I could really ask everybody to do uh, one more thing, it would be um, don't listen to people in the media who do not seem to know anything about security talking about security because it is incredibly complicated. Uh, there are literally entire arms of universities that are dedicated to building these algorithms and these complicated formulas that make encryption possible. And these are staffed by dozens of people, not hundreds, not thousands, right? It is a small number of people who has a really rock solid grasp on how to build these things. And then it is a slightly larger group that has a grasp on why it's so important. And the assholes on the morning talk show or the, the, the shock jocks you listen to when you're commuting to work, they're not in either of those groups. Or sadly, pretty much every single presidential candidate that I can find. Oh yeah. Talk about politics. We didn't get into, but yeah, also all of them, because remember they are on the side of, they believe they're doing the right thing by creating this backdoor. So even if they do understand it, they are not aligned with those interests. Yeah. So yeah, that would be my thing. Do all these things we just recommended. And then really, um, this is a time to be skeptical. Yeah, very much. And also if, if you're inclined to contact your congressman and, and just voice what you believe about this, because we need that opposition. I think, I think there's a non-trivial public dimension to this, even though it's courts and legal stuff. I agree. I think uh, public pressure. I mean, we saw it with uh, with net neutrality. You know, um, <laughs> John but, Oliver. Man, we need. To, I hope he tackles this next episode. Oh my god, I hope he does. But yeah, public pressure is a real thing and can be made to do good. So before we accidentally go off onto another tangent do you want to put a bow on this yeah um the very last thing i'll say is you can completely <laughs> you can completely hate apple and everything they make and they're still right about this so that's True what story. i would say um 
put a bow on it. So uh, there's a ton of articles about this that summarize everything we're talking about way better, have more examples, have more detail. And if you're interested, if you made it through these two hours and you want more, um, head to our show notes at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 107. And you can read to your heart's content. There's plenty of outrage. There's plenty of tech detail. Um, also, we had a huge conversation, but we don't know everything. We don't have every point or every angle covered, obviously. Um, we are not infallible panopticons. Uh, <laughs> we're on Twitter, and we love feedback. We love discussion and conversation, and we would love your feedback and conversation. So you can tweet me at pseudo-Michael, S-U-D-O, Michael, and Lions, you are? At Lions in Beta. And uh, if you like this episode or any of our episodes, or if you're just a, a good person, you should subscribe to our show. That's not a argumentative fallacy to say that you're probably a good person. <laughs> um, you can subscribe in iTunes, or you can go to our website and use the RSS link. And uh, or in most podcatchers, uh, you can just search for Sunrise Robot or Flipping Tables, and you should be able to find us. Um, and that way, you get in new episodes automatically delivered to your device, uh, encrypted. Actually, not. Um, they're just MP3s. Don't worry about it. Um, you can also support us directly on Patreon. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot, um, you can uh, pledge money to us, which I, I realize is a big ask, but um, we try to do a really good job and, and, and uh, make the best show we can. And I mean, we don't rely on this to live, but uh, every bit that uh, supporters can give us helps us make a better show, helps us invest in, in new content and new shows. And uh, we, we're so appreciative of, of everyone who's chosen to donate, even just a little bit. And uh, we want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, 256-bit encryption Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, and Justin Edwards. We love you guys so much. And we want your data safe. Yes. See you next week. Thank you.